Hey neighbors, welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood podcast episode 58. And this is a doozy, you guys. Lots of stuff in here for actors, uh, some really fun, uh, silly stories maybe about a blogging conference I went to and um, oh, and speaking of the blogging conference, I got to meet Mariah from Up4 Probiotics. Yay! For those of you who don't know, Up4 sponsors my podcast, my little podcast that could. And I'm so grateful to have their support and them as sponsors. And I want to say hello to everybody back in the home office of Up4 Probiotics in Wausau, Wisconsin. I hope I'm saying that right. That's where they have a state-of-the-art manufacturing facility, and they manufacture up for probiotics. They've been creating up for probiotic supplements since 1979 with shelf stable formulas. There's no need to refrigerate them. They come in chewables, powders, capsules, and they make them for everybody in your family from infants to senior citizens. The cool thing about up for you guys is they're also available in your target store. How convenient is that? So while you're out shopping at Target, you can also pick up your Up4. But if you'd like to shop online, go to motherhoodandhollywood.com. Click on the Up4 probiotics image. That will take you right to their website where you can learn more about these wonderful probiotic supplements and what they can do for you. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. So hey, Mariah. Hey, everybody in the Up4 probiotics office. So great to meet you. So great to have you on board with Motherhood in Hollywood. And um, yeah. All right. What was I saying? I'm losing my voice. I've been talking a lot this past weekend. <laughs> All right, let's get on with the show. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hello, friends. So glad you're here. We have a big show today. I want to get right to it as quickly as possible, which means I may only talk for 20 minutes through my mommy monologue before I actually get to the interview. No, 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 it won't be that long. But uh, I'm so excited to share this interview with you because I interviewed big time casting director Risa Brayman Garcia. And she's also a director, producer, and an acting teacher here in Los Angeles at the BGB Acting Studio. You guys might, I know you will recognize some of the shows that she's cast and worked on. Uh, More recently, she just finished casting Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life. What? You guys, so exciting. Masters of Sex. Uh, She worked on CSI New York. But, uh, and now some of her her, uh, television programs. But you guys, she has cast some of the most um, uh, legendary films, um, uh, of our lifetimes of my lifetime, uh, natural born killers, speed, the joy luck club, true romance. I mean, get out of here. And her very first, the very first movie that she cast was a movie that's very near and dear to my heart. Desperately seeking Susan starring Madonna. I just, there's something about that movie that totally defined my, my generation as the eighties baby. Like everybody wanted to dress like Madonna and be her. And she was so cool. And you know, things have kind of taken a little detour since then, but I mean, she's still Madonna. It's cool. Anyway. So I talked to Risa about, uh, what it takes today for actors to make it to break through, uh, you know, versus how it was 20 years ago. She shares her story and her love of 
teaching at this moment in her life and how she's been very fluid in her career and open to casting these huge movies, but also she has a true passion for directing theater, which I didn't know. Uh, she also directed the movie 200 cigarettes, which has a massive cast, uh, and the movie and she uh, cast the movie JFK. And, um, anyway, I could just go on and on, but I'm going to let her tell you about her story and how it evolved from, being a theater director into casting director into director and writer and now teacher and producer. So it's, it's truly a fascinating story and you guys will definitely want to listen up, listen up kids. Uh, okay. Before we get into that really quickly, I want to tell you guys, I went to this blogging conference here in Los Angeles this weekend. If you haven't heard of it, it's called blog her and it's sort of like a, I was trying, this is so dumb, but I was trying to describe it to Chris. And I was like, it's like a Comic-Con, but for female bloggers. And he goes, that sounds awful. <laughs> and I was like, you're such a jerk. Um, but basically, yeah, that's what it is. There's like keynote speakers and panels that you go and see and, and listen to um, other female writers. And there are some guys there too. And uh, it's, but it's mostly women. So they're all sharing their experiences or talking about social media. There's like an expo set up where you can meet vendors and whatnot. And what was really cool about it was that I got to meet a lot of great companies, but also I got to reconnect with some mommy friends that I've met, um, through motherhood in Hollywood and, and also meet ones that I have just sort of met online. So I get, like I'm, I'm a very personable and outgoing person. For those of you who know me, my friends who know me a long time know that I'm just sort of loud and, you know, bubbly and whatever snarky as all hell. And, but I still get these moments where I'm really awkward around people who I really like, or I want to be friends with. And I don't really know, like, especially if it's a, a fellow mom friend, I wrote something about this for the Huffington post about like mom dating and, and you know, moms meeting each other and like trying to figure out if you're going to be friends. Um, anyway, so I had this moment where I just, I suddenly get like insecure and awkward and I start saying stupid things. I don't know if ever this ever happens to you, but there's this one mom who she's actually been on my podcast. It was Morgan Shanahan. She works for Buzzfeed. And I just think that she's really cool chick. And I think that she's smart and like funny. And I was like, Oh man, you know, I want to be friends with her. And you know, um, I miss spoiler alert here. I'm not friends with everybody that comes on my show. I mean, I'm, I'm friendly with them, but we don't go on to be like best friends anyways, side note. But anyway, so, um, I remember seeing her, I saw her there at the conference and I was like, Oh my gosh, Morgan. Hi, you know, it's Heather from motherhood in Hollywood. And she's like, Oh, hi. She, she was super nice, very pleasant. And then I don't know why, but I suddenly got very nervous and I started saying stupid, stupid, like creepy stuff. Like, Oh, I'm obsessed with you. What the hell? Who says that? <laughs> And then she was like, oh, okay, yeah. And then, like, I just sort of, like, wandered off with this, like, creepy look in my eye. Like, having just told someone I, I have met one time, essentially. And <laughs> I told them I'm obsessed with them. All I can think of, like, is what's wrong with me? I have this, like, word vomit when I get nervous. And I just start saying random stuff. Uh, so, anyway, then everywhere I went, she was there. And it totally look like I was stalking her. I mean, 100%. I'm sure she was like, Oh my God, this girl is insane. So I would just like to put it out there that 
I hope I'm not the only one who gets nervous and awkward in situations like that. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely a moment where I was like, pull it together, Brooker. Anyway, I do like you a lot, Morgan. I do like Morgan a lot. I'm not obsessed with you. (laughs) Please don't think I'm a creeper. Anyway, so uh, the overall, the conference was a lot of fun and I had a great time and I'll talk more about that uh, coming up in the uh, next few episodes. Maybe share what I learned. Maybe not. Maybe I'll keep it all to myself. Hmm. What do you think about that? All right, so I want to quickly uh, say hello to a few followers over on Twitter like we do, the Twitter moments. Maybe I should call this part of the show something. Like, well... Just the shout outs. I don't know. I think I'll think of, I'll think of something else. Um, I want to say hello to Renita Casting. Thank you so much for following for finding me and following me on at MIH Podcast. I want to say hello to Beverly Hills Mom, Alexandra nine zero two one zero. That's a good screen name for you. It's a good handle. Um, Femme Frugality. That's a good one. And also Brooke. Poston, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, this modest mom. Thank you guys for taking the time to find me at Motherhood in Hollywood over on Twitter at MIH Podcast. And for the rest of you guys, uh, if you can also find me on Instagram at Motherhood in Hollywood and Facebook as well. I do a lot of fun posting and silliness and I love to interact with everybody. So thank you to everyone who's taken the time to uh, find me and give me shout outs. Uh, give me a little love back. If you haven't done it yet, please take a minute, share the show with friends. Uh, if you've got a friend who you think might enjoy hearing about um, acting, uh, directing, producing, uh, Hollywood-related parenting topics and that sort of thing, um, send me their way. Send them my way. Whatever's easiest. And uh, then take a minute to subscribe to the show. I really appreciate it. It does make a difference on my little iTunes ranking. So appreciate Jeb. Okay, so I want to get to the interview with Risa and really listen to what she's saying about, um, you know, especially towards the end of the interview, I asked her when as an actor, do we know if we should quit? If we should maybe pack up and move back home or maybe this isn't working. And what she said, I found to be very profound and very enlightening for me um she's very wise lady she's been in this business a long time she knows what she's talking about and was very generous with her time with me and her thoughts and i hope you guys really glean as much from it as i did if you did please take a minute to share the show with somebody um who you think also might benefit from it as well so here is my interview with casting director and acting teacher risa brayman garcia When I would go to New York with my family, one thing I would do is, is get my cousins and my mother to take me to see Broadway shows. We'd stayed in Queens at my grandparents and we would go into the city and I, my grandfather was a jeweler and I would help him at work and count rings and play with gold dust and whatnot. And then go to <laughs> that see- That sounds fun. It was fun. Weird, but fun. <laughs> um, and I went to see, would see Broadway shows. I didn't know that those days about off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway. But I went to see Broadway shows and went and fell in love with theater in that so, way. What did you see that kind of stuck with you? Um, I saw um, For Colored Girls, mm-hmm. I remember, that blow, blew my mind. I remember seeing Pippin. Um, also, these were, that was amazing. Um, I remember seeing some stuff, some Shakespeare in the Park stuff. When I was much younger, I don't remember exactly what it was that I saw, but I, but I did, through those shows, start to realize, oh, this is 
an amazing opportunity to do exactly what this is what I want to do this is where I'm headed Um, and it wasn't so much about Broadway but doing directing theater theater, yeah Um, any kind of theater large scale theater musical theater well I started off with the musical idea you gravitated towards that well I think it was also you know as you come up through camp and through school you know that's what people did they did musicals in certainly um, where I was growing up and and so I was also a dancer and, and I was interested in dance and theater as well and it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that there were some alternative things you could do but at the time I was interested in pretty traditional things and then when the person who was supposed to direct the the teacher who was supposed to direct the high school play left they decided to not have a a high school musical the year I became a senior and I I thought no this is not okay yeah because I was going to be the assistant yeah like I was one in camp when I was younger and so um I went to the principal, and long story short, it I ended up directing the high school musical with South Pacific. I chose it myself. Oh wow! And and I remember that was a that was a definitive moment for me because I remember it was a very it was I mean it was very ambitious for me to do this. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I can't imagine turning uh, you know my whole life around. But but it was everything that theater is and 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 the whole what I've made of this business which is a really big part of how we created this studio and what theater and 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 an artistic community has meant to me I created right there in in that high school group mm-hmm. and we did this play and we all came together and um, it was really good and I remember standing at the back of the auditorium during their first night of bows and realizing oh this works. This is it. This is it. I could do yeah. this for for a living. I could do this. Forever. I could do this forever. Yeah. I have to do this forever. This is the and it was a really powerful moment for me. And I felt felt like I belonged somewhere, and that I found my purpose or my mm-hmm. and and it's an was an and it was always that. And that's always been my touchstone, all that's, these many many years later. Yeah, that's so interesting. And for uh, for an actor, from an actor's perspective, it's hard for me to ever imagine that somebody wouldn't want to be an actor. <laughs> really? I know, I'm always like, oh, you don't want to be in the center spotlight and the stage and have your moment and all of that stuff. So it's always, it's very, uh, actors can be very, you know, sort of like tunnel focused, you yeah. know, tunnel vision kind of thing. Which sometimes. I think is something, I mean, I say that to actors all the time here at the studio, as does Steve, is that especially these days and in this industry, the way it's, it's evolved, you have to find a way to do more than that. You've got to create another career. That. You've yeah. got to have, you know, I was just watching um, a video this morning that Gracie Mercedes and Clayton Ferris, who are actors here, did this really funny takeoff on the the car stuff. Mm-hmm. The, um, the um, driving in cars the, or no the uh, the singing in cars the oh the karaoke, the karaoke carpool karaoke, karaoke yeah. yeah they did their version of it with uh, with Hamilton and oh, that's fun and, and it was fun and it was just like they got to act today they created this thing and they put it up whether they did it today or yesterday and it's really fun and and not that big a deal so basically they just figured out very minimalistic te- technology that they could use just set it up in your car a look camera better than it does on Mm-hmm. James Gordon, James, yeah, mm-hmm. their version of it anyway, <laughs> and they and it was edited together like they did flash edit and editing and and uh, you know like quick dissolves or or uh-huh. cuts, um, so it wasn't continuous, but it was really fun and clever, and it just speaks to. We just did 
a bunch of actor <clears throat> video interviews about this with some of our actors who are creating their own work and changing their careers and evolving their careers and mm -hmm. growing their artistry and taking c command of what they're doing, even like you're doing with your show. You've got to, as an actor, do more than just sit around and wait for someone to give you permission to act. Especially and so, now. like Because you, yeah, you noticed... You can't. Is that one of the biggest changes you would say has happened over the past 30 some odd years? Because sometimes I feel like had I been out here in L.A. as a young gal acting in the 80s or 90s, like maybe I would have had a better shot. But now it just seems like it's such a saturated industry. Everybody is doing their own yeah, content. Yeah. Everybody's trying to do the look at me, look at me yeah. um, to get eyeballs, social media followers, a fan base, that sort of thing that um, it's hard for anybody to break through. Have you, do you? It's always been hard. Yeah. And it's always been easy. Easy in that, you know, you do the work you love and you find a way to do it, whether you're doing it. Now you can, you can make that video and put it out on Facebook and people will see it and you never know what will come of it. Mm -hmm. But there were other ways before and that's where the theater has always been for me also is a place, a resource, a touchstone where, where actors can go and, and be a part of something and be in a reading and have people see it. And I think that we're all more isolated now, but that, that so we see things online more than we used to in person, but mm -hmm. I think it's always been a challenge to be seen, and also, and the, uh, the the reverse of that is when you're doing work and putting it out there, people will find you and see you. And I still encourage wherever town you're in to be a part of some kind of theater community, also that where you can be a part of work that's being created, whether you're creating it or whether you're workshopping it. Right. Um, it's just hugely powerful. You never, never know what's going to come of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, were there fewer, there were fewer actors maybe 30 years ago. Yeah. But there were also fewer jobs. Yeah, that's true. With um, the um, st online streaming places now, like your yeah, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, so all of that, more. there's so much yeah. more content also being created. Yeah. created. Um, I want to talk to you about, um, now I know you had kind of mentioned that casting became like the side job. Um, well, it's always a means to an end. A means to an end. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and nothing, this doesn't knock casting directors who love it for its own sake and are mm -hmm. fully invested in it. I admire their passion and compassion and commitment to it. It's just not my, my priority or my main thing. I mean, I like it. Mm -hmm. I do. I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. But it's not the thing that just gets me excited at the way that See, I, did I in look high school, at your so. resume and some of the movies you worked on and yeah. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. You've worked on some of the most iconic films yeah. and cast some of the most iconic films over yeah. the last three decades yeah. and television shows. Um, Roseanne was mm. a huge fan of Roseanne. Yeah. And did you work on that throughout were. its entire No, year? just the beginning. Just the beginning? Yeah. Um, and because it was here and I was in New York still. Oh, and, and you guys out of New York? Yeah, yeah. Oh Even before there was the internet. That's crazy. How yeah. did you do that? Just did you just get on lots of headshots? And no, I, no. Uh, did we, people audition for you over the phone? No, 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 no. Oh. I mean, we auditioned people in. We came to LA a couple of times, but um, the main people in the show, John and Lori, who were with Roseanne, were. In New York, I think, or New York based, and mm -hmm. we happened to know them, and they were considering being here. Maybe John, I know, because he, he wasn't, I think he was still in New York. So that was, um, and one of, Lisi was f at, in Chicago. 
I, you know, I don't know. We people would put themselves on videotape, VHS, yeah, and then put the VHS in a FedEx envelope and ship it to you. Oh, I can't imagine. And it was perfectly fine. It was very advanced at the no, time. I was going to say that's so high tech yeah. for back in the like eighties. But that's what we did, and we would like have three, two or three decks, yeah, of video of um, VHS recorders, and oh, we would. We would have our assistants sit there and like literally cue them up, cue them up and then <laughs> and then and you then, just watch and make no and make copies too. Oh, like if, wow. we, if we had to select takes or select actors and send them to producers, we would do the same thing. But the way we would do it was we would you know play a take and then cut copy it onto the next VHS and then we would create you know what we do now online like in, a master in, yeah yeah and then we would take that and put it in the FedEx envelope wow and run to the FedEx. And get it to LA or Things wherever are a lot we were easier headed. now, right? <laughs> They're easier, but the volume has grown so much that you know you'd see you'd see actors, but you would send your ten actors in mm-hmm. as opposed to a hundred, or you know, it yeah. just because now people expect you to see hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, why is that? So, what is that about? Why? Because they can. I go to auditions sometimes, and it's for like maybe a small, like two or three line part, but there may be like thirty or forty people yeah. reading. Is that because you feel like as a casting director, like oh, I have, I got so many submissions, I have to bring this? Well, I we see people here because we want to, and we want to mm-hmm. be able to give so many more actors opportunities but there is an expectation of volume there was one project i did and one network that said literally we just need more volume and like in terms of what you're giving them oh i see and so we just were bringing people in just for just to meet certain numbers okay here's another here another 50 people whether or not you agreed with that necessarily it was just yeah wanting more and more and more and more and more why? And, the, and there's, a, there, the... there's also a sense of, well, there's always somebody else. There's always another. They're always, who else you got? Who else you got? There's that. So interesting. You know, I wonder mentality. why why they would think that. Like I, Because in my mind, it's like you are a casting director. You know who's out there, who you've got. And for the most part. There, I, there isn't that, that respect or that regard. People, really? Yeah. They just, you know, that's part of why the job itself doesn't. Uh, satisfy me creatively is that yes some there's some people who will collaborate with me but they're everybody knows because the stuff's online and everybody can see it then suddenly everybody's weighing in people have opinions you know the assistant to the director or the uh, intern who's working at the as a, with, the, with the casting executive at the studio or the marketing people at the studio for the movie how everybody's got an opinion because there are two things that everybody has an opinion on m- music and, and actors mm-hmm. and so when it used to be that they didn't have access to it there had to be now more trust you now that's just yeah. click of a button and so all of a sudden they're mm. like on a pilot for example there are 25 people weighing in and so you just keep churning out the volume until so how somebody does anybody says yes. make it through anymore just by like, in my opinion yeah. by doing the kind of work that it takes to be seen and to to be um, just to rise to the top it's just you know it, it, at the end of the day yes somebody could be absolutely gorgeous and so you need somebody who's 19 and gorgeous and funny and and ha- of diversity and so suddenly you know that weeds out a whole bunch of people because mm-hmm. if you're you know over 30 and white you're you're you have much less advantage yeah <laughs> which is kind of crazy which is funny say. i i actually have said that a few times that people are like what are you talking about and i'm like i don't get cast 
at all for small parts anymore because mm-hmm. they want diversity. Like if it's a uh, like fresh off the boat or a blackish show, then they want me because the main cast is already diverse. Right. But the flip side I've noticed is happening where on shows that are all white, they generally will color their world with diversity. Which is great, which is yeah. an amazing thing that yeah. we're finally doing and paying attention to yep. reality, to the mm-hmm. world we live in. Um, but it, it, it does mean that you, that, you know, your average white guy or mm-hmm. woman is going to have more to compete with, which is fine, understandable. Right. Um, but I guess my point of it all is that um, the the landscape has just gotten larger because it, the demand has been for more and more and more people. And so because we need a full-time person just to process our online... Submissions and stuff? Con- sub- not the submissions, but loading... Mm-hmm. You know, shooting, oh, yeah, downloading yeah, yeah. to the, you know, uploading, editing, you know, putting it out there. So suddenly, to create a link, it's 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 the same amount of time that it used to take to do that VHS. The VHS thing, how thing. interesting! It's all come full circle. Yeah, it's just, just the same. We've gone of, so far, but yet yeah, not really. Yeah, really. Um, so I want to talk to you. I, I also read that you are finding right now a passion for writing. Uh huh. Tell me more about that. Um. The writing I'm doing is more prose writing. It's it's blog writing and book writing and mm-hmm. story. You know, I'm, I, but but I I've written a few scripts. I I'm not an amazing writer. I'm a <laughs> great storyteller from a directorial or producerial place, mm-hmm. and I really understand that about myself, and I love that. Um, there are better writers in terms of crafting a screenplay or a play, and maybe because I came up in the theater. And I was lucky enough to be there working with writers who, like John Shanley and, 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 and Richard Greenberg and Chris Durang, who were my peers. And then cool. having mentors in our theater company like Horton Foot and David Mamet and and Shel Silverstein, who we got to write, and, oh, that's and Herb Gardner. And um, Does Mamet know how to write for women, or is that a myth? Is um, he the one that everybody used to say he can't write for women? Know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that, hmm. to be honest. I think he writes a certain way, and a lot of his stuff is very masculine. But I, I couldn't, I really couldn't. I think it's, it's the kind of stories he's interested in telling are prob- are from a male perspective. Hmm. And having really struggled through the storytelling from a male perspective with Oliver Stone over many, many years and many movies, I understand that that's what is in. The, someone's heart that's what in their gut that's what they write then let them write that and not mm-hmm. worry you know it's like I used to really push Oliver to write better f- stuff for women but you know that he was writing what he was writing and the stories he wanted to tell were very masculine stories more women have to write women's stories yeah and and, and from a women's woman's perspective in order for that to change same thing with you know black writers Latina writers mm-hmm. Asian writers you I know. love that you say that too because um, I just mentioned Bad Moms earlier when yeah, we were talking. Yeah. There was a little bit of blowback in the beginning when that was first announced that that movie was happening because it was written by two men uh-huh. who wrote the Hangover movies mm-hmm. and all of that stuff uh, about motherhood. And people were like, wait a minute, you can't write about motherhood. Um, but they wrote about it from a male right. perspective. Right. So I, my thing was it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily make their stories invalid it just makes it from their perspective right right but i get torn because then i'm so like no we should absolutely have a woman writing these movies and then women have to write their own movies and they should write their bad mom's version and it's not yeah it's always an issue in terms of hiring writers you know if you have two hired women 
if, if they're available, if they're, if, but if someone comes and pitches you a movie or writes the movie, you can't say, so you can't write this movie because you're a man and it's not your perspective. It's your perspective. It's just, it's making decisions about what's getting made if there's, if there's good work re- written and created by women versus men. And I, it's just women have to get out there and do more. It's a trickier thing with, I think, directors because there's this perception that men are better directors in film and television. Yeah, I was going to ask you about has that. Been, and that's not true at all, but it's what we've gotten used to. We've gotten used to having a paternal um, figure on set. At the, at the helm. And then there have been a lot of women, and I won't name any names, who I've certainly worked with as directors who have not been great decision makers or who have not been great leaders. Kind of give it a bad name. Well, it's, a bad it's, name it, and wherever that comes from, whatever that looks like or whatever that means, it has come around to bite us in the ass. Yeah. And so women, again, have to step up and, and bite bring, even harder. Well, I think show up and do the work, not in a male way, but in a way where we understand how to show and honor leadership you know, and have a crew and a cast respond to that. And it's just different from what people know and people don't want it, they don't want that. You know, so it's it's the responsibility of women to show up differently and it's the responsibility of everyone to make a path open for that. And do you want to continue to direct more? Yeah, I, I, I love being a director, you know, I've been doing this Do you have a preference of, for film and, tele, film uh, and television in terms of directing? Versus, Theater or just no, uh, film versus would telephone? you prefer film or television to direct? No, to direct? no, I don't. I mean, I directed in film more than I have. I directed a couple features, so I've more used to that. But I've spent more time working in television, mm-hmm. um, and television. I, you know, it, uh, all of it actually seems like it would take up a lot of time, and that yeah, would pull you huge. away from the studio, even if you were on set for three or four months or well, you know, a couple of weeks at a time. I've learned over time that you do what makes you happy right where you're at. And right now, running the studio, doing a little casting, um, has made me really happy creatively and producerially. I'm in a good place because running the studio feels like running a theater company in a way. And I direct in class all the time. It's very familiar to me. The way I approach my teaching is as a director. And so, and in one of my classes that I'm doing, we are writing and producing stuff that we're shooting, so it feels, again, directorial. And I like that. It's like I'm having another one of those moments where I stood at the back of the auditorium in high school and going, wow, this is new and interesting. I never thought I would love this, but I love this the same way I love that. It feels like a similar kind of satisfaction and inspiration and and it's new I never thought at this stage in my life or career that I would find something new that would keep me going that would inspire you yeah um talk about some of the people or tell me who are some of the people along the way that have inspired you mentioned Oliver Stone Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was an inspiration or not but you 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 mentioned mentors Oliver was a mentor a certain kind of mentor Mm -hmm. what I loved about working with him was watching him dive so deeply into a particular world and and and, and arena and also have such a clear point of view, you know, no matter what the world was saying to him. And I thought that was incredibly brave and that, that shaped that for me. Have a point of view, be really clear on what it is that you want to say, say it with all your heart and mind and, 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 you know, dive into that reality so that you immerse you and everyone around you in that and then create something that's meaningful to you and hopefully other people. So 
that was what I got out of that experience with him. Also, he was incredibly respectful of me as my own department head. And oh, so nice. me and Billy, when we were doing it, or other people who worked with us, Heidi, Mary. Um, and so... Was that unusual for uh, at the I time thought during so. casting? Yeah, I still think it is. Because I feel like, so. yeah, I was going to say, I feel like a lot of times casting directors and the ones I've spoken to as well don't have that respect and don't get that collaborative. Yeah, um, that autonomy, yeah. 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 And that's why people did work with him more than one time, is when you found your groove with him, he fought with you and he was, and, and um, can, could be provocative, but, but he was respectful of the work that we did and heard us and, and, heard our opinions and I like that also I was he there was all these different areas uh, that were empty in 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 certain ways the producing was happening and so I filled some of those in I mean he always had really strong producers but it, the, the the scope of these movies was so huge, so huge that it required additional things I think also my instinct is to step into that and and I think if I ever people say well if you had to do it again what would you do differently I would be a film producer Really? Or, yeah, or TV producer. I would do that if I did it That's again. That's so interesting. I would do that as opposed to just wearing the casting hat because I think I'm an amazing producer and I see the world, this the, the, the industry as a producer. And even when I'm casting, I do it with a producer's mindset. So... I, I, or do you feel like yeah. you're trying to guess what the producers will want when you're casting, or do you no. just sort of go, "Here's what I no, I no, like. no, it's a process. Like you collaborate, you always want to know what the writer or creator has written, what the vision is of the director you're working with, if it's a filmmaker or if it's, you know, in a, in television, the the show creator, um, and you just you try to get a sense of what it is they're looking for, and then you go, okay, you figure, you do it, you ask until you know in your gut. I get it now. Let me go figure out what that is and bring that back. Really powerful stuff there, you guys. Didn't I tell you? Yes, I did. You can all feel free now to say, Heather, you were right. This is fascinating and very enlightening information. All right, so we're going to get back to the interview with Risa in just a moment. But I want to take another second to tell you guys about Up4 Probiotics. If you have not tried up for yet or if you've just sort of been curious about trying a probiotic what is it all about what can it do for me try up for go to motherhoodinhollywood.com click on the up for probiotics image that'll take you right to up for where you can read all about their various types of probiotics they have trademarked their super strain which they have researched since 1979 i don't know about you but i like to use things, especially if it's something I'm, I'm giving and putting in my body or giving to my child, my family. Um, I want something that has research behind it. And um, I don't know about you, but I trust science rather than just internet rumors, right? Exactly. So go to motherhoodandhollywood.com. Click on the Up4 probiotics image. That'll take you to Up4. You can also find these probiotics in your local Target store. Yeah, you guys swing by the supplement section. Grab a couple bottles of Up4 that you think might be right for you. The kids cubes. They have women's formula. A senior formula ages 50 and up. Go to motherhoodandhollywood.com, click on the Up4 image, and that will take you to Up4 where you can figure out what type of probiotic is right for you and start trying it. Find out now how you can start creating a healthier inside. I had a few mentors over the years, and, and um, I th they, they, but they were interestingly mostly men and mostly sort of father figures. 
in in my in my life and in my career. And I'm like not who else besides sure Alderson? why that was, but I'm only saying that because I wish that I had had a, a, a woman mm-hmm. as a mentor. I, I didn't. Maybe it goes back to the fact that I had a really strong mother, and she was my mentor most of my life. And my father was not as strong a figure in my leadership and I life. And I was looking for You're that, looking also for looking that. for approval from him because he wasn't very approving. Blah blah blah. Kurt Dempster, who was the Ensemble Studio Theater artistic director, who's since died, um, was a big, big, you know, figure in, in my uh, growing up in the theater. But both he and and Oliver had similar. I had similar relationships with both of them in that there was a lot of, there was antagonism, there was challenge, Mm -hmm. you know, there was needing a daddy for me. So I think that that's an interesting, it was an interesting thing. And I really, I worked for some very strong women, but it was not a mentorship at all. And I really wish that I'd had that. I had moments of mentorships with women, Mm -hmm. but, but very, very, very short, very brief. Are you now finding that you're becoming a mentor to women and finding Um, a way to become that, um, which you didn't have? I've done at times I have certainly in casting. I have. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of casting directors out there who, who, for whom I've been a mentor. Um, and some actors, yeah. So yeah, that I just wanted to close off that topic. <laughs> sure. Dan said that interesting, but because I, I think it's you know it's important that women support each other and mentor each other, and it's not as easy as people think. Oh, there are more women working now, and they'll all make room for more women. But but I've seen certainly women of the happen. generation before me did not no. talk about glass ceiling. Man, they were well, holding that ceiling down pretty hard because they'd had to do what they had to get to where they you think they didn't want anybody else eking in and taking their spot. Because no, I'll tell you, I don't from, think it was as an, from an acting perspective, there's not a lot of other actors who mentor each other. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's not like there's an actor that's got, you know, a couple levels up than me, you know, is working regularly. That's like, Heather Brooker, I'm going to show you how how I did this and mm-hmm. come with me Let me on my journey. I think people would if, they, if, if there was if there was some kind of arena where that could happen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's weird. Like, I would never feel comfortable walking up to someone who's, like, a series regular and, you know, or, like, even if I met them at a party and they're working in film regularly, I, I don't even know how yeah. some kind of conversation yeah. like that yeah, would even yeah, happen because yeah. everybody seems so... Um, focused on what can you do for me what can you give me that I think we all kind of have our guard up a little bit but I think there's a lot of generosity of spirit out there I really do I just think that people are very single minded in their own journey and also isolated in that you know there and there isn't maybe SAG you should propose it to the SAG foundation and or SAG after to have I think women in film has a mentorship but I don't think it's just women in film does yeah it's not I've mentored people through that but they're but I don't weirdly, think SAG has anything like that. But also, that. weirdly enough, like when, Women in Film hasn't reached out to me in a really long time. I did mentor somebody for a little while, and then she kind of disappeared, and I chased her, and I don't know what happened to her, and then hmm. they never called again. But I think I was also very active in Women in Film at the time. Yeah. And I think there's so many. It's, just, they, it's a big organization. It's huge. And it requires a lot of volunteers and a lot of different programs. and. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mentorship's a hugely important thing. And the reason why I've done it in casting is because I brought people up through the work and when you're in the midst of the work and you're bringing up people through that then you tend to have that yeah um yeah now you and steve write a lot for backstage sometimes yeah and i love your articles on there and i know a lot of my actor friends get a lot out of those articles as well and you always talk about do the work that's a that's a definite recurring theme for Uh you guys um what do in 
what do you think is something like uh, a, a mom, a stay-at-home mom, or somebody who maybe doesn't have access to video equipment or camera? Like, mm-hmm. what kind of work can they do in terms of like just staying creative? Do you have any? Um, like, yeah. Well, first of all, they can write. There's plenty of time to write, and if you need to take a writing class, even I'm sure, no matter how many kids you have at one point you can figure out a way to get out of the house and get to a writing class or a writing workshop but I think writing is is a major part of what we need to all do in our own time and it can take the form of writing a play writing a monologue writing a blog writing a book writing a story you know writing a screenplay there's so many things one can do to write and I think the more you do it the more you learn it and then you get better at it and that's the same for any writer who ever wrote no matter how many yeah. you know awards you've won or or, or Pulitzers or Academy mm-hmm. Awards you know you just you just do it and that's something you can do at home no matter no matter what additionally I think you can create a community of fellow artists get a bunch of moms with kids and and, and do some work together, create something together. It's amazing what you could do. For example, a bunch of moms could get together with their kids, have this you know, fa- you know, mom-kid play date thing going on, or drop the kids off at school and then do it, and then come up with a story that you want to tell so that bad moms is now coming out of those women and not a bunch of guys who, right. who are professional writers who have had some success who now want to have a perspective on, on moms, moms and women. Because it, moms are hot right now. There's a lot happening with moms. There's a TV show. There's Mom, the TV show. Right. There's also a movie about uh, with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn that's coming yeah, out yeah, that's yeah. about the mom relationship. Yeah. There's a few TV shows in the works as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be very hot right now. The moms. Hot moms. Hot moms. Moms are hot. Moms, moms are, hot. are hot. But that's, but imagine doing that and then coming, you know, it's like we do this in class. We just pitch some ideas to each other and then we write some stuff. And it, you know, just, it requires giving yourself the space and time to do that. But it, it, that's something that could happen and people could collaborate on every week. People could bring in a scene and they could, you could write the, the, the movie and people go, I don't know how to write a movie. We'll learn. It's, you can learn online. There's so, you know. It's so you, overwhelming. It, that's one of the reasons why I hesitate in writing any features. I've written some scripted stuff for television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Features to me seem so daunting. Like it seems like it takes people years to it's, write. It can, but so what? You have your start now. Sometimes and, it takes me hours to write an email. Because okay. <laughs> I get interrupted every yeah. five seconds. No, and I get that, but you know, then take the time you have. Yeah. You know, if, if so many things take five years to write, some things take a weekend to write. Depends yeah. on what it is. Yeah. And why not start instead of saying, "Well, it's going to take five years to write," and and so therefore it's too big, it's too overwhelming, I can't do it. Start now, and then in five years you'll have something. You may have it sooner. You know, we could we could workshop it. You could read it out loud. You could have a dinner party and read it. You could make a scene from it. You can use your iPhone. You don't have to, you know, have equipment. You can do anything. I love that. I'm glad that you're saying that because it reminds me that I do need to just start. Getting started sometimes is the hardest yeah, part. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, uh, can we talk about you being a mom? Sure. Yeah, yeah. How? What was that like for you? Did you always want to be a mom? Or, yes. Um, and I did. When you made the decision to uh, begin your motherhood journey, uh, how was it with work? Did you, were you able to easily incorporate it into the sort of somewhat freelance lifestyle mm-hmm. that is, you know, film and yeah. television? Uh, or was it more of a challenge than you expected? Um, always a challenge. 
But the challenging thing really came in trying to get pregnant and have kids because I went through seven years of fertility work. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was intensely challenging. So that was so much more challenging than having kids. By the time my kids came and they're 10 years apart, 10, I'm sorry, 10 months apart. Oh, I was like, 10 years? God no, bless you. 10 months <laughs> apart, um, which is was challenging in and of itself. But by the time that happened, I was so, re- my husband and I were so ready, ready that nothing was gonna get in our way. And doing the fertility stuff was challenging, you know, I remember during the earthquake in 94, um, our house was shook up pretty badly, and we went to a friend's for dinner. Our house hadn't been condemned, but it was on the bubble as to whether or not it would be. And we had no water, and we couldn't, no electricity, and we couldn't stay there. But, but So we went to a friend's house for dinner that night in the midst of all this. I was casting a huge movie at the time, again, before the internet was 94. I mean, there was internet in 94, but not, you know, it's 22 right. years ago, not like it is now. Right. And um, we were, I was, he was having to shoot me up with fertility shots. So I was like, wacky, wacky. Stress you know, and hormones. Hormone down, yeah. And I'm doing this, and we had a, you know, a husky dog, and, and we're like, it didn't, it just seemed like we were putting one foot in front of the other, because what we, all we wanted to do was, you know, get our work done. We both had a, a ton of work to do, my husband, is no longer but was in the movie business and um and just you know get these fertility shots done and try to make a family so with that when that was such a huge part of our trajectory it was inevitable that we would you know get to a point where we were parents for us it was inevitable because we were going to do it come hell or high water however we did but i mean that was the hardest part was trying to balance all that and then i remember from there then I did. Um, it, we did. We did some in vitro, and I was pregnant, and I went with Paul Verhoeven all over Europe on this movie called Crusades, or The Crusade, which was not made because it was too expensive at two hundred, hundred million dollars, which now Whoa. would not be that expensive for a movie yeah. of that size. But, but back then, the time it was with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was a great, great script. And again, because because before the internet, before you could hire a casting person in another city mm-hmm. and have them just put people on tape and then send it to you in five minutes, we went with our big heavy-duty VHS cameras oh, my goodness. to Europe and went all over from London to Paris to um, Madrid to Rome. We, we, had, we did hire someone in Israel. Um, and... And, and then back to Paris and back to London, putting people on tape. Um, and so incredible. I'm standing in the middle of Paris. I The earthquake had just happened. I left anyway. My husband was saying there was like this huge aftershock. I was shooting myself. I had been shooting myself up. I had just done in vitro, so I found out that I was pregnant. And then go to, you know, Europe, mm-hmm. but, you know, doing this huge movie while desperately trying to deal with the fact that I was now pregnant turned out that it was um, ectopic oh, wow. and I had to rush to the hospital and have my fallopian tube While you were taken out no when I just as soon as I got back oh my goodness because they couldn't see the heartbeat so I went through a lot so by the time I became yeah. a parent our daughter is biological but was carried by a surrogate mm-hmm. and our son is adopted and they both happened around the same time which is why they're 10 months apart and so a fr- very good friend of mine said to me, do you want to be pregnant or do you want to be a parent after all these years of this? We made really good embryos and we had lots of them. Mm-hmm. And it was still early stages of in vitro, um, but 
I said, I want to be a parent. So she said, well, then you have to figure out how to do that and stop worrying about being pregnant. Yeah. And so um, we did some surrogacy stuff, and the surrogacy worked with Gracie's surrogate. And as soon as we found out, um, we met her and Sam's birth mother the same weekend. Uh, at the beginning of June in 1996. And so, my kids are 19 and 20 now. And so we went into this, my whole point of this is we went into this whole procedure that by the the time that we knew we were having children mm-hmm. and having them very quickly, um, it just, it seemed easier. Yeah. Then like balancing, that was the easy that part. That was the easy part. Yeah. Then, you got to the gravy part after yeah. having to be through everything else. Yeah. Oh wow! And then and listen, it's it's always a balancing act. It's always a juggling act. I was I have been always lucky to have a husband who has been a very uh, present father mm-hmm. and has co-parented with me incredibly actively. And so we did this together. We've also had amazing nannies over the years. Mm-hmm. People were still incredibly close to. Um, and we were able to afford that because we were both working, and that was a big part of our lives. I mean, I took my kids to New York um, to do 200 cigarettes, and they were under one and under two years old. Oh, my gosh, while you were directing yeah. that film? Oh, wow. But I had an army. I mean, talk about it takes a village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother was alive at the time, so she came uh, and spent time with us. My mother-in-law was in Brooklyn, and she came up and spent time with us. We brought a nanny with us from... Um, LA mm-hmm. who and, and her husband to be our nanny housekeeper because she was uh, uh, someone who'd been working with us for a very long time um, and so among them and then we had somebody locally <clears throat> who was sort of a, an intern person right. and all of them were there with me and the kids and my husband went back and forth um, and but that's so great that you was, got to have them yeah. both there with you during that experience. Yeah. It was amazing, and they were on set, and they were very tiny. I mean, Gracie yeah. turned one the, like the week after we finished shooting. Oh wow! And then we came back and edited in LA, so I wasn't there. I was there January, February, March, April, and they were there. and And I was working nights a lot. I remember I'd come home at six in the morning, and to my kids waking up and spend time with them, and then I'd sleep, sleep all day, and yeah. then see them before I went to set that night and it was fine. I mean, it was hard, hard, but the thing is, I believe this so deeply that family, and I know you, you know, understand this, that family is so much the heart of your life and the, the touchstone and the grounding in this business. And it's really what keeps me going all the time. I mean, all, I work so hard, and to me, I'm a, probably a workaholic if I had to be diagnosed. <laughs> but I do it because of them, for them, and from them. And that's everything, you know? If it weren't for them, none of this would matter. Did that sort of set off um, kind of like uh, the rest of your uh, working life in terms of you would incorporate them into jobs that you had or bring them to the office and like how much of a part of your work did they become you know I, for me it was just I think because I wore different hats that it was easy for me to move from one thing to the other so I'm directing a play at night and then in the morning I get up and go to the office and cast something and then on my lunch break I go and have a production meeting for the play I'm doing and then go back to the office and cast and it's right across the street from the theater company and then I go direct at night I mean I burned out doing that but yeah, I my was, I would move from one to the other the way I do here yeah. at the studio if I go from you know from the so casting you've always room. been very very busy 
lady. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and always move fluidly from one thing to the other. So then the kids was just, and the family was just another part of that. It was all working together. For me, it was like, you know, the kibbutz of my life, you know. And, and um, the thing with the kids is that, you know, I mean, they had their own lives and I kept that, you know, it was very important to me that I would always make time for that. If, you know, I was very, very involved in their elementary school life and ran the the, the parents' council, parent-teacher council. Yeah, I don't know what it was Something called at like our school. That. It was called, the, I think, the council. Were they interested in theater? Did they show any interest in that? Or Gracie do they now? did. Yeah, my daughter did. My son is a techno guy uh, and I he's a... IT game kind. design oh cool kind of computer guy lives in the virtual world most of the time <laughs> um, but my daughter is um, I think probably because she grew up in this business you know being on set she when I was shooting in Toronto that was a tough time to leave them because mm-hmm. I went to shoot a movie in Toronto when they were younger I think sixth grade uh, fifth sixth grade so they probably remember that yeah they do remember yeah, that very yeah. well um, and they would Gracie would come back and forth and spend time with me in Toronto and was and, and was on set and was a, being a part of that. She loved it. It was the thing that like she probably had her moment like I did, um, yeah. in high school directing the play, being on set and realizing, oh my God, this is where I want to be. Oh, uh, and yeah. so what does she do now? She's in college. Both my kids are in college. She's at Wesleyan. Sam's at a small school in Vermont called Landmark. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and and she's a writer and a producer, director, and an actor. And she knows that, you know, she's... A little bit of everything. Yeah, because I think also, I know also that from both Renee and myself, my husband and myself, it's like there's no acting only here. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do a little bit of everything. I totally agree with you. And she's, you know, she doesn't know, she's interning this summer in L.A., and it's funny because she's really struggling with the idea of working in an office. It doesn't. She doesn't understand, and I get that. I How get could that you be too. an artist yeah. when you're working in an office, reading scripts and doing coverage? What does that have to do with making anything? Well, I mean, it's kind of like you pay your dues a little bit, but I understand that too. I would much rather be yeah. out and about as well. But I think it's important to learn those aspects of the industry because there are yes, there is yes. somebody who's oh yeah whose job it is to just read your scripts and find the yeah. inconsistencies and you know yeah. uh the things the lawyers are going to freak out but over. it's also when you're 19 years old to be idealistic and to think i want to be on my feet creating work mm-hmm. that's exactly what she should be doing she right. will always there will always be some office ready to hire her right but she's been working in and also she's been um, interning in the Masters of Sex writer's office, which oh, has been that's great. really fantastic. That she, And she's writing a play that she, she'd written in school last year that she's um, evolving into a longer play, and she's here in class at the studio. And oh, so neat. she's doing a lot. Very ambitious girl. Is she talented. in your class? No, she's in Steve's class. Would that be weird? No, she was in my class when she was younger. Yeah. Uh, Steve and I had a teen class when she was 15. And how was she as a student? Would she be like, Mom? No, oh my no, God. not at all. <laughs> no, she's, she was very committed to her acting. And oh, I love She's that. talented, which is fun to see, you know. Um, Have you cast her anything? Will you Will you cast her in something someday? I don't, I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. I'm not thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's, so it's been an interesting balance. And I think what my kids have seen is a mother who is hardworking and has, you know, balanced it and you can't obviously you can do it all not at the same time right you know but you can do you do one thing and then you do something else and then you do something else but I and I think just my nature being mm. 
again, producerial, it's like I'm always producing a version of my life, a piece of my life, whatever that is. What is your feeling on moms or dads, parents, who have to bring their kids to an audition? Like if somebody has to come in, because I've had to bring my daughter in with me to an audition. I think it's fine as long as it doesn't interfere with your work. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. seen it work really well where kids show up and other times when it's very distracting and the parent, man or woman, Mm -hmm. mother or father, can't focus because they're worried about their kid or their kid can't sit still or you know it's I think it's only a problem when a parent shows up and dumps it in the in the office and says can you (laughs) yeah not it dumps (laughs) the situation yeah you know and says can you deal with my kid because I got to go in and read and that can be a little challenging for the staff yeah but yeah I mean I'm very much about bringing your kids to work I have a lot of mom friends who are actors and writers and they're all kind of trying to we're all trying to figure it out how can we balance these two worlds that yeah. we love so much? And that's what Motherhood in Hollywood is about, is my way to try to figure out and learn as much as I can yeah. um, about what I want to do and where I want to be in life while also still um, incorporating my daughter into it somehow. And I've had to take her on auditions before. And she's... How old is the, she? She's three now. Yeah. Um, she's been going on auditions with me since she was two months old. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at times it's been distracting, but she's pretty used to it now. Yeah. Like she just yeah. will hang out and be like, and she likes to sit and watch. And um, as long as it doesn't interfere with your work, no. I mean, it's stressful in that you've got your daughter there with you, right. and you want to, you know, tend to them always. Like it's right. sort of an instinctual thing. Um, but it it's much better now for sure. And uh, I'll never forget one time we were leaving uh, the audition room, and she had been sitting there watching me. And as we we're walking out, she goes good job mommy and I literally went (laughs) I was just like it was just the sweetest thing because I was like oh my god you get it you know that mom I'm gonna cry right now thinking about it but I'm like you get it you know what mommy's trying to do and um it's it's so nice to talk to other moms who have uh been there and they've gone through it and and have worked their motherhood into their their career I mean it helps to have a partner it helps to be able to have help um, but I think it's really troublesome when you think that you have to give one thing up for the other um, and you don't try at least. Right. And then you find your balance. And sometimes when I say from one to the other, it might be from one to the other in the day, course of a day, or it might be one, one thing to the other in the course of a year. You mm-hmm. know, there are times when I certainly wasn't working as much and I spent more time in my kid's school life, for example. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, sleep a lot, but then you learn that at an early parent. Right, we, an early I don't young parent. Not many parents are sleeping. And I don't much. think I've ever slept since. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think there's value. I think that the, the one thing that pulls parents away from kids more even than your a job is, you know, being on the internet and, oh you know, God. so you're sitting there, on, you know, you go to dinner and everybody's on their phone, or you know, you're at home and you're on Facebook instead of being with your kids, and your kids are off, mm-hmm. you know, watching a movie on Netflix, and your other kids off on the internet surfing, the, you know, surfing yeah. the internet, and then everybody in a family gets completely splintered isolated. and isolated, you know, because of technology. But it's that's hard become a real problem. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where you have to. There's especially in this industry, as a parent, you feel like you have to have an online presence all the time. Right. Be tweeting something funny, posting whatever you just ate. Uh, on Instagram, you know, you have to constantly be going, yeah. hey, I'm, look, I'm, I'm generating something. But again, it has to be about something important. It has to be about mm-hmm. something that you've created that you love. It's not just about, you know, having 
having a presence where you're just trying to have a show up and be clever. And you've that's the key. That's the, the you know, difference. That's the difference. If you're doing, you've. I, I'd rather see somebody take a year, incubate, create something, quietly write something, shoot like even five minutes, and then when you put it out there, you put out something that you're proud of, that you love, that's of value, and that's rich content, and that's you know shows talent and integrity and vision and, and a point of view and then it matters because then it's going to have some consequence to it rather than just a daily tweet that is just clever right I mean I believe in having a social media presence and mm. having a point of view but then it's got to be about something and you've got to not for its own sake it's got to because you yeah. have something to say it's because you have something that you and then you and then you've if you are going to do that regularly because you're going to want to put stuff out you then you have to as you know with what you're doing then you've got to just balance it and realize I'll do this on Sunday and this on Monday and carve out time it's it's all about scheduling at the, at the yeah. end of the day it's all about how you schedule your time and then also find time for self-care you know, and self-nurturing so that you're awake and and um, alert and present and you feel good about yourself so then you can be such for your family. Mm -hmm. um, tell me quickly a little bit about the studio, how you and Steve came to be um, for the BGB studio. It's such a great place. It's such a wonderful um, home for actors. And I, I think that's how, I think I read that's how you guys designed it to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, we we knew each other just in the business, and um, he had auditioned for me. I've cast him, um, and we he had a website that I found really intriguing, and he revealed himself later that he was the man behind the door, um, and he wrote some very provocative things, and he always said nice things about me, but he was very provocative, and I loved that. And so we started meeting for coffee, and then our coffees turned into longer meetings, and then we said, we should do something together, and let's do a class, and it just all happened very naturally and organically, and boom, we were off and running, and that was four summers ago, where we did one class with teens, mm -hmm. and we, it worked, and then we decided, let's do a class for adults, and then we created a, and he was also teaching on his own, and I was teaching on my own, so we, we came together and did that in October of 2012, and that was the beginning of the studio with two classes, and then we grew and grew and grew. For some reason, I was thinking it had been around a lot longer than that. No. I mean, we've been Support. around a lot, lot longer individually yeah. <laughs> in our careers and our lives, but no, the studio's not even four years old. Oh, wow. And I guess January yeah. of 2013 was our sort of official... Uh, beginning we be like grand we, opening kind of thing yeah we never had an official official start but that mm -hmm. was when it was the beginning of that year we came into this space and we st launched a few more classes and it all happened the way things all should yeah organically and naturally and evolved into this and you know we're just still tr trying to figure it out we have so many ideas and so many plans and you know, so, so many you things. Have, is it hard to kind of do. rein it in and pick, figure out what to do yeah. first? Is that what well, you're kind of doing now? Yeah, yeah. Trying to, you know, also have lives and be with our families. Right. And, right. and Steve's got a two year old daughter, and we're taking some time off at the end of the summer, both of us. He's going to go away for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to bring my kids back to college for their um, sophomore year. Wow. It's hard to believe. <laughs> um, and uh, take a little time in New York. So. It's really finding that balance, which is always a challenge. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to call it a struggle, but it's always a challenge. You always have to just be able to say, this is me time, this is creative time, this is work time, this is family time, this mm -hmm. is time with husband, this is you know alone time uh, in, 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 in uh, 
both self-care and in creating. And when you can really designate that for yourself, I think it's a lot easier. But it does require stopping and looking in, inside and just evaluating where you're at and what's important to you and what you care about and then honoring that. Yeah. Do you think there ever comes a time when an actor says or should say or have enough like um, recognition that maybe this isn't the path for me? Sure. All the time. I think you have to evaluate all the time. Because I think there's a lot of actors, and I know there's a lot of friends of mine who have been doing this for 15, 20 right. years, have never booked a show, have never broken through in any way at any point, and um, still work part-time jobs, you know, trying to make ends meet and, and that sort of thing. And not that those are necessarily, like, the the points to check off. Well, I better wrap it up, you know, but, like, at what point do we go, man, I may never make it as an actor. I should really focus my efforts somewhere Well, I think else. there's a reframing of that phrase, make it as an actor, because mm-hmm. you can be an actor and and be, and not maybe even make a dime. You could be creating work. You can be doing theater. You can, it's just what you call making it as an actor. Because the whole line of, I'm going to get a co-star, then I'm going to get a guest star, then I'm going to be uh, recurring, then I'm going to be a series regular, then I'm going to be with, that's like, that doesn't, you know, that, that, there's no reality to that really. I don't think there's truth to that. I don't think there's, you cannot evaluate who you are by letting the industry define you in that path or that journey what you have to do is figure out who you are as an artist and as an actor and how you're going to realize that whether someone hires you or not and if you give up on the dream of you know getting to the red carpet through that particular path then yeah you probably have to give that up at some point and go back to why do I love this what's my why what is it about this that is going to keep me happy and creatively satisfied and then how do I do that? And then let the industry find me or not. But that's what has to be important. Come to your core values of why you're doing this to begin with and how to satisfy that. And when you do that, first of all, the rest of it becomes unimportant. Second of all, the industry tends to find you when you're really honoring that in yourself as a creative being. I'm just going to clip out everything you just said and just replay it over and over to myself in my car every day. Okay. Isn't that weird? No, not at all. I mean, it's, I need, I do need to hear that. And I yeah. think a lot of my actor friends really, and yeah. who listeners, like they need to hear that. Yeah. It's important that we have to re, re, rethink this, rejig this notion of success. Um, where can everybody find you if they want to? I'm right here all the time. Find you? Just come up <laughs> at the by corner the of, of Vineland and Riverside. <laughs> and I just found out from my son that our, if you look at the window there, you can see that our billboard is a Pokemon fighting gym or something. Oh, how funny. Yeah. So this is where we are at the Pokemon fighting gym at the corner of Vineland and Riverside and online at BrahmanGarciaBraun.com, which is hard to spell, but if you just Google the BGB studio, we're right there. We've got a great website, lots of blogs and podcasts and and, and, and audios and videos for people to Oh, I almost forgot to ask. You just cast Skimmer Girls. Yeah, with Jamie. How much was that? Um, Fun, fun, yeah. I mean... Jamie had done it for seven years, yeah, so remember. it's really her baby. And um, I need to go in there and give her another hug. You know, Jamie, yeah. if Gilmore Girls ever comes back. No. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I think it's... it's they only um, did four... Four, four 90-minute movies, winter, weird. spring, summer, and fall. That's unusual, like right? The song. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it was an unusual thing. I mean, they never, the creators of it, Amy and Dan, never mm-hmm. even thought about this until 
it was suddenly in the ether. And yeah. So well, it's the all, fans were just yeah. dying to And it's great. Up. I think, it, I mean, it's a really good... It hasn't been released yet, right? November 25th, November. I think. I don't want to say that's the exact date, but yeah. I think that's the day. So it's right the Thanksgiving weekend, which oh is a gosh. great time. Everybody can cozy up. It's you perfect. Know, so Gilmore their, Girls time yeah. of year. And then keep, keep going through Christmas and watch those ni- four 90-minute movies, you know, binge watch. Um, all 360 them. minutes of it it's a lot they talk fast it's all oh yes it's, it just picks up where it left off in a way i mean it's 10 years later or however many years later but it definitely is more of the same in the best way possible yeah so that's pretty cool i think everybody's i'm excited for that we were big fans of gilmore girls for yeah, sure so yeah. it's i think it's going to be very well received cool um, yeah. And so everybody, I'm going to also put Risa's information on, I always want to say your name, Risa. And it's, not, I know that's terrible, but it's that's because okay. I'm a Star Trek nerd. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Do you watch Star Trek at all? No, but, I'm, but Steve does and my son does. Yeah, there's like a planet called Risa. Anyway, yeah. my nerd, my nerd have, is showing. Yes, yeah. I'm not a planet, I'm just a person. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank you so much for You're taking welcome. the time to my be pleasure. on my show yeah. and answer all my questions. So you guys, I'm going to put Risa's information up on motherhoodandhollywood.com so you guys can find out where to follow her there as well. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.